Well, good morning, church family. It's so good to be with you and to gather with you in this way. And I just want to take just a, a brief moment uh, to, to remind you, to remind all of us that we are loved by God, that we have this community of faith uh, to support one another and to, to be there for one another. Uh, and it is so good. We have had so many um, examples of the body of Christ reaching out and caring for each other during this time. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for participating in that with us. Thanks for being the church in this time uh, and in this, in this season that we find ourselves in. Uh, I, I do want to take just a, a brief moment of time uh, to recognize that there, uh, there is a plan laid out in the state of Idaho for uh, reopening businesses and gatherings um, and your church board and your church staff and myself have been carefully and closely evaluating uh, uh, that document and, and those stages of reopening trying to find uh, when we feel like it's the right time for us to resume uh, gathering together we haven't come to any conclusions in that way but I wanted to let you know that uh, we so look forward to the chance when we'll have to gather again uh, in worship in this space uh, and, and we get to invite the whole family here uh, when the time comes. So be looking forward to announcements. We'll just keep you uh, as informed as we can as we move about um, this process. Welcome this morning to the to the fourth Sunday of Easter uh, in the lectionary cycle. Uh, the gospel text takes us back to the gospel of John uh, as we look to the lectionary text. And so if you want to open your, your Bible or point your device to John chapter 10, uh, please do so. Here on the fourth week of Easter, we find ourselves in the midpoint between Easter Sunday and Pentecost Sunday when we'll wrap up the season of, of Easter. And... And I just wanted to take a moment and, and, and help us understand why we have this season of Easter. Why are we spending seven, eight weeks on Easter? And the reason really is so that we can focus on the implications of the resurrection. Jesus is risen. He is alive. Uh, and what does that mean for us? How does that shape us? How does that form us? Um, and how does that affect us in our lives as we worship Christ, we worship the risen Messiah in our lives. Uh, and so that's the, that's the time we're taking as we spend this time in the season of Easter. For the text today, I'll, I'll be reading from the, the Gospel of John, like I said, chapter 10. Uh, and the lectionary text uh, takes us uh, from verse 1 through verse 10. We're reading from the Gospel of John. I assure you that whoever doesn't enter into the sheep pen through the gate but climbs over the wall is a thief and an outlaw. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The guard is at the gate. Excuse me, the guard at the gate opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Whenever he has gathered all of his sheep, he goes before them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, but will run away because they don't know the stranger's voice. Those who heard Jesus use this analogy didn't understand what he was saying. So Jesus spoke again, I assure you that I am the gate of the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and outlaws, but the sheep 
didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief enters only to still, steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they could have life, indeed, so they could live life to the fullest. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. What does is, what is living life to the fullest mean for you? <laughs> it's different for all of us, right? Is it, is it spending uh, every weekend camping up in the mountains, going and finding nature and enjoying that? Is it, is it following your favorite sports team and getting season tickets and even attending a few away games? Uh, maybe it's spending time with the grandkids or the family, gathering those that you are most closely connected with and spending time with them. Maybe it's international travel, loving to, to go and see new places and have new experiences. Uh, this is an optional, <laughs> optional activity for you, but take time right now and, and pause the video or, or the recording that you're listening to right now. Think of what living life to the full might mean for you. If you're listening by yourself, pause so I don't <laughs> talk over your thoughts. If you're with somebody or a few somebodies, pause and just share with the group during this time. As we jump into the Gospel of John again, uh, I'm just reminded that for this Gospel writer, uh, Jesus as Messiah is no secret. Remember John 1, John 1 says, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God was, was present at the creation. The, the Word was, was there. Jesus was there. Uh, and then as it transitions down through that first, first chapter of John, it talks about the, the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was, he was with us here. So for the, for the gospel writer of John, there, there's no mystery. Uh, there's no uh, messianic secret. There's no hiding who Jesus is. The readers of John are very clear. I've <laughs> been told from the very beginning uh, who Jesus is. So as, as we explore the implications of, of the resurrection, uh, it's no surprise. John becomes a central focus for John has, has always presented Jesus in that way and in that light. So we can, we can return to the lessons of Christ, especially in the Gospel of John, to hear about these implications of the resurrection, the, the Christ as Messiah throughout the whole book, instead of waiting uh, to the parts of the Gospel past the resurrection. But, but here we see Jesus' mission spelled out for us in these verses. In this, in this section of Scripture, we see Jesus' mission sp spelled out for us. I have come so that, so that people might have a full life, so that they might live life to the full for his sheep, the ones who call, he calls by name, that we might live life to the full. Now, now we have to be careful uh, especially when, when we talk about a full life. I think this passage of scripture and this whole strain of thought about the blessings of God on our life um, has been mischaracterized, has been misused in churches from time to time. 
A full life doesn't mean uh, independently wealthy. <laughs> a full life doesn't mean you get to go camping every weekend and not worry about your other responsibilities, your other obligations. Full life doesn't necessarily mean the fancy car and, 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 the, and the sprawling <laughs> estate, the, the large house with all the, uh, all the amenities. Uh, doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean you get season tickets to your favorite, favorite team. Uh, there's a there's a type of of theology out there called the prosperity gospel, uh, and it it kind of equates following Jesus with a whole bunch of of tangible rewards. That if if you follow Jesus, life's going to be good. Life's going to treat you good. You're going to be you're you're going to be free from sickness. You're going to be healthy. Uh, you're going to uh, things are going to go well for you, and that is the reward for your for your following of Jesus. If we just look a chapter before, the reality is that this idea has been around for a long time. In John chapter 9, which some commentators kind of cluster into this section of John chapter 10, what do we find? We talked about this healing in chapter 9 just several weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, when he talks about Jesus healing the man who was born blind. And what was the disciples' question in that moment? They said, Rabbi, teacher, tell us who sinned in this man's life so that he was born blind. Was it him or or was it his parents who came before? And here again, we have this equation of of blindness, of, of impurity being tied to sin. The flip side of which is, of course, follow Jesus and and life's going to be good. You're going to be rewarded. You're going to be wealthy. You're going to be healthy, successful, wise. All these things are going to fall into place for you. That's not really the gospel message. What does Jesus mean? Uh, What does Jesus mean then when he says, I have come so that so that people might so that my people might live life and live it to the fullness of possibility. I think it is spelled out well for us in the, in the imagery uh, of the gospel uh, and, and the, the uh, metaphor that Jesus uses early in this, in, this, uh, in this chapter. Jesus employs two different metaphors, actually, in the, in the section that we, we read, two different metaphors to describe himself. A lot of Smart, smart people, smarter than me, scholars uh, have tried to kind of reconcile these two or figure out how these two metaphors really fit, fit together. But they're really just uh, two different ways of, of getting there, of, of talking about the implications of Jesus and the sheep, those that would follow him and follow his teaching. First, Jesus describes himself as the shepherd first five five verses of this section five or six verses describe or have Jesus describing himself as the shepherd (laughs) in this metaphor there's just some beautiful and rich things that we learn about Jesus and how he relates how he interacts with his sheep Um, you know but first of all this is a this is an agricultural metaphor. This will surprise many of you, but I don't know a whole lot about (laughs) 
about agriculture. Uh, I don't know a lot about raising sheep. Um, I, I know you're, you're shocked by that, but, but it's true. This image is certainly more familiar with Jesus' audience. When we talk about the parables of Jesus, when we talk about the stories that we find in this book, it's so important to understand from the framework in which they were first told these stories and these lessons that Jesus offers. Uh, you see, in Jesus' day, they would have been familiar uh, with how sheep are, are cared for and, and how they're sheltered. Uh, back in those days, they had uh, community pens, and so um, different shepherds would come, uh, according to this first metaphor, and, and, and drop their sheep off in the pen, and, and there would be a hired hand at the, at the gate who would guard the sheep. Uh, and would um, would protect the pen that, that several shepherds uh, were using. Um, and, and so the hired hand admits the shepherd when it's time to go, when he's come to collect his sheep, and the shepherd would, would enter that pen and call out, uh, and, and sheep who recognize the voice of that shepherd would would wake up or, or, or would <laughs> recognize that voice. They would be brought to attention by the voice of their shepherd. And they would follow that shepherd out of the pen to go pasture or to go to a different location uh, or to be tended by the shepherd after uh, a break of some kind when they use these community pens. So what do we learn, though, about about this shepherd? What do we learn about Jesus and his relationship to the sheep who wish to follow him? First, four things that really jumped out at me. Uh, the first is the shepherd comes and calls. The shepherd makes the first move. The shepherd comes to the sheep, calls them out. In the Church of the Nazarene, we teach about this thing called prevenient grace. That God goes before us. God moves first. God offers himself to us before we're ready, before we know that it's extended to everyone. We believe that God's grace is available to all and that, he, uh, that in Christ and through the Holy Spirit, God works toward the salvation and, the, and offers the extension of grace to all of humanity and in fact, all of creation. It is the grace that goes before we even have responded to it. What a beautiful picture. Second, uh, second imagery, the second thing we learn about Jesus and his sheep is the shepherd calls them out by name. I don't know who's listening today. I don't know what, who's, who's watching this recording or listening uh, to this sermon today, but somebody needs to hear that today that amidst our isolation, amidst our loneliness, especially in this season, that Christ the shepherd knows your name and calls you by name. That he knows us that well and reaches out to us individually. The third image uh, that I love uh, and and... Uh, I, could, I could talk for a while about this, but the image that I love is that the shepherd walks out in front of his sheep. We're, we're probably more accustomed to um, 
herds being driven um, by, by cowboys or ranchers that might be on horseback, that might be using dogs, and they kind of um, go around the outside and, and drive, drive the herd where they're headed. The picture here of Jesus and his sheep is that, that the shepherd sets out in front of the sheep and the sheep follow. I believe that Christ is out in front of us, inviting us into the space where he is, saying, come to me. Come, come join me. Come be a part of where I'm moving. That Christ walks out in front of us and invites us into community and fellowship with him. I think that's a beautiful picture of who Christ is and how, how he leads us not pushing and prodding and poking us um, when we fall behind. The fourth thing that, that I recognize uh, is that Jesus is the shepherd whose voice is understood and recognized by the sheep. That, that we can learn to attune our hearts and, and train our ears to listen for the shepherd's voice. What a great picture, what a, what a great opportunity, what a, what a solemn responsibility that is, but so beautiful that we can learn and become accustomed to the voice of God. These, these metaphors, these, these images of who the shepherd is are so rich and so deep. <laughs> I think there's a sermon, I, I could preach four different sermons there, uh, each one in itself. We could talk all day about about these truths. So good. But, but the result of this first parable that, that Jesus tells, it, it kind of flies over their heads. It says they didn't understand uh, who was Jesus talking to. Uh, in the Common English Bible, it's, it's not separated from, from the end of verse 9. And the end of verse 9, as you perhaps flipped back when I was talking about the man born blind is that Jesus is still caught up in this controversy. They're, they're questioning who Jesus is. How did he do this? Where did he get the power to heal this man blind? There were some that saying, that wasn't the blind man. That wasn't the guy that was born blind. No, it's not the same guy. There were others that were saying, um, remember, I think this is the, the story where they <laughs> go to the guy's parents. Remember the testimony uh, of the blind man. He, he says, I... I, I don't know where he got his power from. I, I'm not here to tell you who Jesus is. What I can tell you is this. I was blind, but now I see. And Jesus is the one who brought, who brought that health, who brought that healing in my life, who restored my vision, who, who brought vision for the first time, not even a restoration, but brought it for the first time. You know, all this was all this teaching, all this teaching about the shepherd and the sheep was were because the the religious folks weren't happy. The Pharisees were questioning, "Who are you? What authority do you have to speak this way and to teach this way?" He ended up frustrating the religious establishment, which would eventually lead to his crucifixion and death that we celebrated. Uh, that we remembered in Good Friday and celebrated his resurrection uh, just four weeks ago now. 
So he changes his angle. So Jesus changes his approach. They, they weren't getting this imagery of the shepherd. It was unlike anything that they had heard before in the teaching about God. And so he changes his metaphor. It talks about being the gate. Jesus becomes, for the reader, the entrance and the exit. <laughs> the, the vessel through which we pass as we seek to follow God becomes Jesus Christ. The truth is that there are many people, there are many priorities, many things out in the world today that try to shortcut this truth. Fulfillment by anything, fulfillment by knowing the right people and hanging out, having the right relationships with the right people, having the right products, knowing the right information, having the right knowledge, all of these things promise at times to be this, this entrance into fulfillment, this way to live life to its fullest, fullest extent. You know, just this week we were chatting amongst the staff a little bit about um, the tone of commercials on TV. I, I don't know how much TV you're watching these days, uh, but uh, we, were, we were noting that the tone is changing a little bit. There's this sense that the companies are, are trying to send this message. We want what's best for our people, right? We, we care during this time. We're here for good. We, we want... We want good things for humanity. We want things um, to be better as we move forward. Uh, one message I, I remember hearing, it doesn't even have to be our product, uh, doesn't have to be our restaurant, but go, go uh, support uh, the restaurants in your area. It's, it's been really great, I have to admit. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think that uh, the tone of messages have become more gracious. Uh, the tone of advertisements have become more gracious and more uh, uh, about what's best for, for humanity and for people. But <laughs> I, I was reading this article a, a couple of weeks ago, actually, that was predicting, predicting a shift that's coming up, a, a shift that will come in, in which the, the, in a month or two, as, as things try to return back to normal, um, there the, the tone of the messaging will shift, that there will be products that come out, or the message of the products that are coming out at that point will shift to say, here's how we get back to normal. Here's a little taste of, of what we had before this whole thing broke loose. Use this, do this, go here, get some of that, and you will feel normal again. Uh, and all of a sudden, I, 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 I realize that this is just a, a, a perpetuation. This is, this is when, we, when we get to that point, it will be an understanding that there are all sorts of things that try to promise what Jesus offers and what Jesus brings to live life to the full. And Jesus, the gate, becomes the entrance and the exit into this life that's lived to its fullest extent. But that's what the world does. Even Jesus knew it back in the day. He said, uh, we, we turn to all sorts of things, uh, products, experiences, beverages, Coca-Cola, it's really good, not this coffee stuff, uh, whatever. We turn to these things. 
And it says Jesus is the non-counterfeit. Jesus is the one that comes, that, that, that provides the entrance and the exit. But there's all sorts of things in the world today that are jumping over the wall, trying to capture our attention, trying to say, this will fulfill you. This will be enough. This will meet you at your point of need. They hop over the wall, try to knock us off track, try to, try to uh, deafen us to the voice of the shepherd who calls. And in their promise of fulfillment, what do we find the result to be? That they steal and that they kill and that they destroy. Even back in Jesus's day, he understood the counterfeit promises that the world offers. Jesus has come. He's come to us and life is fulfilled. When we follow through the gate, when we listen to the voice of the shepherd and allow him to walk out in front of us and we follow, it says that our life is fulfilled. What is that fulfilled life? It's to simply walk with God. There's no, there's no promise of money or fame. There's no, no promise of camping every weekend or going to every sports game and getting the season tickets. But the shepherd who calls us by name walks before us, calling us ever closer to him, inviting us one step closer today to walk with the good shepherd and to do life with him, to, to be in the kingdom of God today. Sometimes people talk about the kingdom of God like, I, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait for the fulfillment of the promise of God's salvation in my life. I can't wait. And I want to say, you don't have to. You don't have to wait for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God is here right now. That the kingdom of God can be in us and we can, we can be in it and we can bring it to the world in which we live today. It's not a someday thing. It's not a, 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 a far off thing for which we have to wait, but the kingdom of God is now. But there's no promise of, of rainbows and roses. There's no promise of an easy life. There's no promise that uh, prosperity will come your way. What did the psalm today that we, that we read responsively, that we walked through today, what did it say? It talked about traveling through the valley of the shadow of death. The gospel or the, the lectionary text from, from First Peter today says that we're gathered back to the shepherd and guardian of our lives, that, that we at times are led astray, that that's reality, that that's okay, and yet we are gathered back in to the shepherds, to the shepherd and to the guardian of our lives. The full life that the shepherd brings is perhaps best described in Acts chapter 2. 
Remember when we talked about this? Remember when we set our theme uh, for the coming year of, of becoming one? We turn to Acts 2, verses 42. To the end, it talks about the believers eating together, being together with glad and sincere hearts. They shared what they had. That when, when needs were found, that, that they, they gave to those people, that they ministered to, to those people. This, this church, this is what we're called to be. This is what Christ invites us toward in our lives. This is a life filled full. The life that's promised as we follow the shepherd. My encouragement to you, to all of us today, is to listen. Listen for the voice of the shepherd that calls your name. The shepherd who, in verse 11, it talks about, is the one who has literally laid down his life for the sheep. The hired hand wouldn't do that. Only the shepherd who cares for his sheep. May we be the listeners to the voice of Christ, ready to follow as he leads us. Individually, yes, but also as a community, also as a church family. May we follow the voice of Christ. Let's pray together. God, we worship you today. I lift, I lift our church up to you. I, I thank you for this passage that talks about how the shepherd comes to us. How the shepherd calls us by name. How the shepherd walks out in front of us. And how we can come to know and come to be familiar with the voice of the shepherd. I pray you would tune our hearts and tune our ears to hear your voice. Thank you for carrying us caring for us in this way. Thank you for, for being so close, so intimate, and so connected to us. We worship you this day. Thank you for all that you have done. And would you be with each of us in our journeys during these days? May you speak to us and lead us and guide us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Go in the love of Christ.